chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Schofield Bible, you'll find it on page 1258. Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have to assemble together in your house. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord, and we just pray as it comes time for the preaching of our word, Lord, that you would anoint our pastor and help him, dear God, to deliver the message that, uh, Lord, you've put in his heart, uh, the message that you have for us. Lord, give us hearts and minds and ears to receive it. God bless all that's uh, done and said here this morning. Dear God, have your will away in every heart and every life. Lord, if there's one lost and undone here this morning, Lord, we pray that they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this day. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sit him. Good to have you in the Lord's house this morning, all of those that are guests. Appreciate you being here so very, very much. 33 on the bus this morning. And um, I want you to be much in prayer about that. Because one of the things we've got happening now with the bus, and that is we're, it's getting very consistent. Um, we've had a high day of 38, and, uh, but we are consistently now running over 30 consistently, week in, week out. And as we get, and we're, we're, just, we're just almost there of um, time constraints and just the ability to, to get it done on a Sunday morning in a reasonable time, it, we're almost there. And uh, so you be much in prayer. Uh, I believe God's even now putting, putting all that together. I, I really do. I'm just amazed and praise His holy name. And uh, how he does things, and so when he does, and he's ready, he'll provide the bus and and uh, all those things to be took care of, and we'll give him glory for it. Amen. But I believe he's doing that even right now. There are two things I absolutely hate. One is I hate being late to anything. Those that's close to me can contest to that. I might get that real early, but it's rare that I get anywhere late. But all this kills me. I hate to be watching a program or a ball game and I've got it taped and get to the end of the tape and it's not finished. And I don't get to hear it, see the end. Oh, that just kills me. And, uh, but I find it also interesting that when we start talking about Christmas and Christmas holidays and those times that we celebrate, I fear that we rarely tell the whole story. Oh, we, we love the story of Christmas. I do. Children and adults, we get thrilled about, you know, the 
star and the shepherds and the baby Savior, the baby Jesus, the Savior. We, we, we love all that. We see the shepherds kneeling and angels singing and cows mooing and stars shining. But the truth is, that's just only chapter 1 of the story. Every story has three parts. An introduction, a body, and a conclusion. And this morning, with the help of God, I want us to look at the rest of the story. Because I believe we have allowed this world and the society around us, we get chapter number one, I'm not even sure we understand chapter one very well. Perhaps this morning, I'll give you a view of Christmas you've never seen. And my prayer is that it finds a lodging place in our hearts. Chapter number one is this, a son in a cradle. Now the Apostle Paul, you say, well, how did you get this in chapter number two of Philippians? Understand this. Paul doesn't give us any details about his birth. He leaves that to Matthew and Luke. But Matthew and Luke look at the birth of Jesus from a historical view. But Paul looks at it from a theological view. As a matter of fact, he comes and tells us that as we look at Philippians chapter 2, we begin to see the Christmas story and the rest of the story that's going to be told. We find as we think about this thought of the sun in the cradle, first of all, we see a heavenly identity. Paul said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Paul states in that verse simply this, that Jesus Christ was God. Not just a great prophet, not a great preacher, not just a great teacher, not just a great man who died a martyr's death, according to Josephus. But he was, if you will, God himself. Now the reality is this. Uh, you don't have but two options to for this thing. Either Jesus was God or he was not. Either Jesus was Lord or he was not. Either Jesus was divine or he was not. That's only two options that you have in this story. John said this, and John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Literally, God came in human flesh. My goodness, you say, man, how, why did He do that? Well, number one, Jesus was the only one that could feel what I needed and what you needed this morning. Number one, I, I, didn't, I didn't just need a, a, a Savior. I needed a sinless Savior. Not only God can feel that order. But I needed a man. Because only a man can die for his sins. So I didn't just need a Savior. I didn't just need a, a man. I needed a God-man to come and take my place. 
And on that first Christmas morning, born in a manger, hallelujah, he was the God-man that day. And the only thing that separates us between all the other religions and, and cults in the world is this, is this issue of who was Jesus. Who is he? How they answer it. And they attack the deity of Christ. Oh, don't miss this. The cradle that rocked that baby is the cradle that rocked the world. Amen. Oh, you say, now, but preacher, I, I just don't believe that. I just can't see it. Well, there are some that struggle with this trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So, that mean I worship three gods? No, no, no. I worship just one God. You say, but he's manifested in three different persons. And it shouldn't alarm us, everything around us. As created in a in a trinity. Space. When we think about space, we think about the height, the length, and the depth of it. When we think about time, we all occupy time, but we think about past, present, and future. When we think about man, we think about uh, body, what you can see, soul. And spirit. We think about, we think the, the reality is all around us, God has displayed this fact. Space is three things, but yet just one space. Time is just one thing, time, but yet it's manifested in three places. We find man is just, I'm just one man, but I'm body, soul, and spirit. And so we realize this morning as Jesus came. Now, don't, don't miss this. If Jesus Christ was not God, then Christmas may as well be a fable because that means Jesus is no more to us than Santa Claus. That's the reason why this world, this world cannot really truly, why, why we should not get, people get all bent out of shape over the, 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 the crowd that says, we're not going to mention Christmas. Why should they? They don't know Him. He's not their Savior. They don't celebrate Christmas. They celebrate a holiday. Hallelujah, every born-again believer. Everybody washing their blood stain, blood of Calvary. Oh, they celebrate Christmas. Christ Christmas. Amen. Amen. Let the world have the holiday. So we see it. Oh, I, I don't miss this. If the FBI had took the fingerprints of Jesus Christ, they'd have the fingerprints of God on, on file. Wouldn't that be something? Not only was there the son in a cradle, but may I say a heavenly identity, but there was a human incarnation. Someone asked me one time, do I believe in the incarnation? You know, people that die and come back frogs and... And, and cows and, and dogs. <laughs> I, hope, I hope if you believe in that junk and I like you, don't come back as a dog. I won't. Amen. <laughs> I won't. But oh, listen, if there is incarnation, he was probably here, but made himself of no reputation, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. 
God, Paul not only tells us who Jesus was, but he tells us how he came into the world. How the ivory palace shines into a world of woe. Through the portals of a virgin's womb came the Lord Jesus Christ. The most amazing doctrine in all the Bible is this. God became man. He came in human flesh. Woe. John 1, 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Bloodline does not run through the mothers. Bloodline runs through the fathers. And the blood of a sinner did not run through the veins, but the blood of a sinless God flowed through his veins. My goodness. Breathing within the lungs of Jesus was the breath of God. Beating within the breast of Jesus was the heart of God. And breaking forth in the veins of Jesus was the blood of God. Jesus was God come in the flesh. A little girl in her bedroom on a very stormy night, she's afraid of the thunder and the lightning. She began to cry. Mom came and I said, oh, you're, you're not alone. The, uh, you know God's in the room with you. And, and uh, she started back out. A little girl started crying. And all of a sudden, she said, Honey, I told you God's with you. She said, Yeah, but Mom, I want somebody with skin on him. I want to tell you who Jesus was, born in that first day, placed in a, in a manger. I want you to know, He was God with skin on him. That's what it was. Hallelujah. But that's chapter number one. And to be honest with you, some don't even understand that. Some don't recognize that. Lord helps me, I may bring a message next week or week after. Why even God allowed him to come? But the truth of the matter is, we don't understand that. Because we look at Christmas, it's so different from that. But to chapter number one, he was a son in a cradle. Can I say this? Look this way. Look this way. If that's Christmas to you, as a son in a cradle, you've done miss part two and part three. You've got an incomplete story. You've got the first part, but you don't have the rest of it. And this morning, for every every girl here, how our children need to know the rest of the story. They don't know it. They think it's trees and Christmas and all this kind of stuff. And the reason they do it because that's what we make a priority over. Chapter 1, son in a cradle. But chapter 2 is a Savior on a cross. If you're going to tell the full story, the whole story of Christmas, you can't leave Jesus in that cradle. Christmas is God giving His Son, and God gave His Son not only to, for show, but not for show, but to die. Thank God for the cradle, but hallelujah for the cross. Jesus wasn't simply born. He was born to die. Number one, he died a submissive death. Jesus had to die for us to be saved. But he didn't have to die. 
I, I, I heard a fellow the other week on the radio say this. And I'll be honest with you, I've said a few stupid things myself like this. God's obligated to come to you one time. You need to understand something. God ain't obligated to us whatsoever about nothing. God don't owe you nothing. He don't owe me nothing. Are you listening? God don't owe nothing. And we got justice. We've been held this morning. It's what we would be. Well, I know it's going to bust in your bubble. You ain't done enough. You, you ain't nobody's good enough to go to heaven. You go to heaven because of the blood of Christ or you don't go. And so we find all of a sudden, Jesus is not obligated to save nobody. How to save any of us? Oh, I want you to know, the Bible in Mark 15, 31, likewise also the chief priest mocking and said, among themselves were the scribes. And they made a statement they didn't know how true it was. He saved others himself. He cannot save. Let me help you. Well, I got a hold of that one day and it blessed my heart. They stood and said, here's what they're saying. They're saying in a mocking, in, 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 a, in a mocking fashion. They said, well, he can, he, he said he saved us. He can't save himself. But oh, no, no, no. The statement they made was prophetic. Because if he saves me, if he saves me, he cannot save himself. You need to get this. If he saves me, if he saves me, a little boy on a church pew in Akers Grove Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, if he saves me, if he saves me, he cannot save himself. Because if he saves himself, then I die the penalty for the wages of sin is death. I pay the penalty. So the God of glory set aside His royal robe, set aside His everything He was, come robed in a body of flesh, lived and died and said, I'm going, I can't save myself, but I can save you. Oh my goodness. For God so loved the world. Stop right there. For God so loved George and Darlene for God so loved Elijah. For God so loved Dwayne Reese. For God so put your name there. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said, see Jesus was God's proof that he loved this world. He sent out of obligation. He came out of obedience. Therefore doth my Father love me because I laid down my life that I, might, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. Nobody took the life of Jesus. No one. There wasn't a battle at the cross that morning. 
No doubt the crowd watched as, as thieves and murderers came and they fought to the bitter end with the soldiers and, and soldiers with, with all the brute force would have to slam them down on a cross and, and, and fashion them down to do their deed. But this one was a little different. When he got there and the cross was laid down, I believe he willingly laid down on the cross. Someone said, how much does God love you? This much. I believe he willingly. I believe the soldiers are driving the nails said, something strange about this fellow. Something different about it. He would have taken nothing. He gave his life for us. Jesus didn't have to die a chaplain. He was in a hospital war speaking to soldiers who had been wounded in battle. He walked by one soldier and noticed his right arm was gone. And he looked at him and he said, Son, you've lost an arm for a great cause. And the soldier smiled and replied, Chaplain, you're wrong. I didn't lose this arm. I gave it. Oh, I love that. Jesus didn't die out of obligation. Jesus died of, out of obedience. Paul said he became obedient unto death. See, we need to understand this morning, if Jesus, if, if, that son, if the baby's still in the cradle, he just got one part of the story. Because he's a Savior on a cross. Someone is... How, how would you young kids spell Christmas... G-I-F-T Right? And the parents are worse than the kids. If the kids will pout for a day or two, the parents will pout for six months that they didn't get what they wanted. Conclusion. Parents are worse than kids. Is that how you spell Christmas? The way you really spell Christmas is this. G-R-A-C-E. Grace. He died a submissive death. He died a substitutionary death. He died in my place. But God commended His love toward us in Romans 5, 8, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There were two young men studying law and one rose to a seat becoming a high-level judge and the other wasted his life drinking and on one occasion the drunkard become, come before his old friend and charged with a crime. The lawyer present wondered, now what kind of justice is going to be administered here since a judge is an old friend? To their surprise, he sentenced the old friend to the heaviest penalty the law would allow. And then he took off of his robe and walked down and set the man down and stood and said, Now I'll pay the penalty. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He died a substitutionary death. But not only that, he died a shameful death. He didn't die an ordinary death. 
He died the death of every criminal, every vile. He died the, he died the death for every, every vile, wicked sin that you could imagine. Folks, we, we do this too much. Look at the way. We're all guilty of it. We put pedophiles and, and homosexuals and some of this way up here. But then we put our hellish unforgiveness and bitterness and down here. It ain't sane. We put our robbing God down here. But somebody breaks in our house and steals from us, I mean, we're going to put it up here. Burn them to the stake, amen. Find them, shoot them on the spot. We put it up here. You better get a hold of something. God puts all sin, all sin, He took on the cross. He took on that one that you think's hopeless. He took on that one. He took the sin of that one you think that nobody can ever help this person. I want you to know He can help them. Amen. The vilest, the most wickedest person you could ever imagine on a cross, Jesus took his place. And if he'll trust, if that individual will trust Jesus Christ as the Lord, the same blood that washed your filthy sins will wash theirs. Jesus died an initial death as the Lamb of God. He died an official death as God's substitute. He died a judicial death in the judgment for others. He died a sacrificial death for that the unjust might, be, might allow us to get to God. He died a criminal's death and even his own father turned his back on him. We see not only chapter 1, a son in a cradle, we see a Savior on a cross. But, if he, but praise God, we can't leave him on the cross. He didn't stay on the cross. Now I praise God for the cross. We sing about the cross. Hallelujah. And we should. We preach about the cross. But are you listening? Are you listening? He didn't stay. Chapter 3. The sovereign with a crown. If you want to tell the whole story of Christmas... You can't leave Jesus in the cradle and you can't leave Jesus on the cross. But don't miss this. A cradle without a cross is useless and a cross without a crown is senseless. Jesus, as Pilate wrote, was a king. He was a king who was born, a king who died, Hallelujah, a king who will live and reign forever and ever. We have to understand this. Let's get Jesus this year out of that cradle. Let's move a step forward and see him on the cross. But don't miss this. He didn't stay there either. Don't kid yourself. He said, It is finished. And he died. But can I help you? The great difference 
of what we believe and the world believes. I take you to Mohammed's grave, dig up his casket, that sucker's still there. You can go find Buddha, dig him up, he's still there. You can go, you can go find uh, uh, Joseph Taz Russell, he's still there. All this crowd, uh, this false cult is still there. You go to the tomb of Jesus, hallelujah. It's empty because he's not there. And the whole story of Christmas is this. He's a king and the sovereign's going to reign with a crown. Amen. And something's going to happen. This morning, you just pay attention. We're going to acknowledge his lordship. And that every tongue... Now, folks, how many is every? Oh! Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Word confess means to openly proclaim. Let me stop and help you. I guess this question has been asked to me so many times this week, so let me answer it for the entire church. Well, pastor, if I do this and do this and do this, can I get them to church? They never work if I've done this and do this and do this. Can I get them to church? Can I help you this? If people, if folks, and I don't care who they are, if they don't come to the house of God because they love Jesus, everything else in the world you do will never be enough. Are you listening? If you don't come because you love Jesus, but if you love Jesus, you don't have to have anything else. To get here. Every tongue should confess. Every pagan tongue, every atheist tongue, every Buddhist tongue, every Muslim tongue, every humanist tongue, every demonic tongue, every angelic tongue, and every human tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Tell you right now, preacher, I ain't going to die nothing about. Well, um, that's okay. You will. You will. We're not going to make you do anything. But I promise you, you will. Confess He's Lord. Not only that, we're going to accept His Lordship. That the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And I, to bow, to bow a knee is a symbol of obedience. That's the reason why we kneel when we pray. It is a posture that says, I'm willing to obey. Don't, get, don't be in all shape. If you cannot be in Genesian, you have to sit on a pew. God knows that. It's not about if you physically can't. It's not about that. Bowing is a symbol of obedience. And he says this, that every knee should bow. Now, now notice what he said. Things in heaven, means all the angels will bow. Things in earth, they're going to bow. But I like this one, under the earth. Who's that? That day, the lake of fire, that whole crowd of devils and demons is going to bow. 
to the Lordship of who Jesus is. Wow. My goodness. They're going to acclaim His Lordship. To love Jesus is to love God. To worship Jesus is to worship God. To dishonor Jesus is to dishonor God. To reject Jesus is to reject God. To ignore Jesus is to ignore God. The story of Christmas is this. To son in a cradle, hallelujah, to Savior dying on the cross, but it's the sovereign reigning with the crown. This morning, that's the story of Christmas. We've been telling chapter 1 long enough. Our world needs to hear about chapter 2. We don't have a problem with the baby in a manger. We don't have a problem. I mean, we tell the story. It motivates us to do a lot of things, and that praise God for that. It motivates some old tight wad and some old greedy person to give them maybe a little extra. That's good. Hallelujah. But the truth of the matter is, He's not just a son in a cradle. He's a Savior dying on the cross. Hallelujah, He's a Savior dying on the cross for me. And number three, He's a sovereign reigning with a crown. One day, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess, He's Christ. This morning, do you know Him? Maybe you couldn't tell the whole story because you don't know the whole story. Maybe this morning, for the first time, you, you may, listen, you say this. Well, preacher, I just don't know if I, I believe that. Then you need to really go home and start asking God to help you because you may not even be saved. This morning, are you saved? Do you know that? Mom and Dad, will you tell the whole story this year? Son in a cradle, Savior dying on the cross, but a sovereign reigning with a crown. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.